Dude. Yeah. Bonus episode. <laughs> that was so good. Bonus when, is good. When, when you were is that a positive in uh, this yeah, world that we're in? Yeah. That, yeah. That kind of indicates like we're not exactly in the topic we designated. Yeah. But, right. but the content is so rich and necessary yeah. that yeah. should yeah. be included. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing that we've been talking about and, and we've kind of heard from everyone so far, what does awakening look like to you? Yeah, I think um, I think there's there's kind of the personal answer to that and there's a more corporate answer. On a personal level, awakening is pretty simple to me. It's coming fully alive to, to Christ in our lives and, and Jesus becomes uh, Savior, Lord, friend. All the things we think about, it's just this fully embracing Christ. We come fully alive to that. We awaken to that. Uh, then on a more corporate level, what we're leaning into as a church as part of our vision is we're praying for what could maybe be referred to as another great awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has this corporate impact to it that that Christians become more vital in their faith. Churches are revitalized people who are far from the Lord are drawn to the Lord. And then there's this societal impact. Mm-hmm. You know, when there have been great awakenings, um, churches suddenly saw their need to care for the orphans and, yeah. and bring healing through hospitals and the touch of God's hand. There's, there's this overflow out of the personal into the corporate. And mm-hmm. as a, as a kid, I, I did sleepwalk. I don't know if anybody else had that joyous experience, <laughs> but I would wake up often in, strange places. Once I got out of our house, went next door to my aunt's house, knocked on the door. She came to the door and I told an elaborate story that was absolutely not true. I told her that my dad had to be rushed to the hospital, that my mom had sent me up here and she was running my dad to the hospital. Wow. And and then about that time, obviously, I received that information from my aunt. I remember none of it. My parents came out of the front door and the back door of our house and yelled my name, and I woke up terrified. Hmm. I, I was in my bed the last time I thought about this. And I think there's some of all that in an awakening. I think there's this, there's some terror in awakening. What have I been believing? What mm. what stories have I been telling that are not mm. true? What have wow. I believed that's wow. not mm-hmm. true? That's good. Wow. That's good. So part of awakening, I think, has almost like when you see in Scripture when it First thing an angel or the Lord says to somebody is fear not. (laughs) This is actually good, but it can be startling. But then what I remember is in my sock feet and pajamas is I ran home Mm. as fast as I could go across Mm. the rock driveway and down the hill to my mother's arms. Yeah. And so I think awakening on a personal level and a corporate level has all that. There is some fear to it. Yeah. But there's also this, oh, that's that's where home really is. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's where I'm meant to go. That's, that's right. beautiful. And we begin to move in that direction. Yeah. I love that. It's so cool that when you say that, it's like awakening does have that terror aspect. But also that sounds very comforting mm. of like an invitation to come back home. Yeah. Like that's really beautiful. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing all that, Tommy. Sure. That, yeah. That's um, like I said, <clears throat> Last time, it's it's really great to hear kind of everyone's personal, you know, 
perspective on what awakening looks like to them. So thanks, yeah, I know. Um, you know, for me, I've had uh, quite a ministry journey. So I, I started pastoring when I was 18. That's a shock. But I had a, an openness to the move of the Holy Spirit in my lives. It really revolutionized my life. I moved into a season where I started believing strategies could work. And the reason I believe that is because they did work for a while. I never left the other behind, but I would say I shifted my focus to strategy. All of a sudden, we're living in this world where strategy is not enough. Yeah. Mm. And, and I've kind of come full circle in my own spiritual life to go, I, it's not that I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I still think churches need good strategies and plans and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this awakening to me is also awakening to our desperation, our need for the Holy Spirit to do in us and through us what we cannot do. Yeah. Yeah. And so Amen. that's part of the terror, Garrett, because it's like, oh, my goodness, I can't manufacture this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have no option but to fall in terms of just complete dependence on the Lord and ask the Lord and pray and seek it. And so that's that's become a really a driving force for my life, but it's almost a full circle kind of thing for me. Mm. It's like, oh, I, I remember this out of where I began ministry. Mm. Wow. And yeah, I'm coming wow. back to it. Wow. That's wow. good. And to hear, you know, a, um, any leader, you know, and, and a lead pastor to go, strategy's not enough, what we've been doing, mm. you know, has not been enough, yeah. You know, and to 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 to, yeah. to go, we need the Holy Spirit. Period. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Yeah. And and that's that's how we're going to be able to do anything. Yeah. Otherwise, we're sunk. I think it's been really cool too to see just Tommy when you laid out the vision for our vision statement and this this idea of awakening. And we've talked so much even in this podcast already about how it's just such a nebulous concept but as we've as we've talked about it and just as you were sharing that Tommy I thought well look at look at how we've begun to articulate that mm. and and how we now have some language around that yeah. Yeah. you know I I when we first started the conversation I had this image come through my mind one day it it you know when you think about awakening sometimes I think about an actor in a scene in a movie who's just you know, woken up for the morning or whatever, and, you know, they're perfectly ready to face the day because they're on a movie set and somebody's <laughs> done that, and that's not how any of us wake up. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, well, at some point, I wonder if spiritually I felt like maybe awakening looked like that. But wow. then I realized that um, sometimes it's more like when we wake up from a dead sleep in the middle of the night and we've been asleep on our arm. Mm-hmm. You have a split second where... You're disoriented and you can't move your arm yourself like you have to Mm. physically move it. And then that's when the pins and needles start and all that. And I think that if we think for us as individuals and corporately, um, there is an element of the waking up that is not this beautiful put together thing like we see in the movies. There may be some points and some sensations that are new to us or or familiar, but I think that that message of. Uh, not being afraid, but just knowing that, I mean, God's really doing something and we, you know, it's, it's amazing to see. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really important way to reframe awakening 
and honestly, a really important thing for our people to hear, because I imagine when some of us pastors talk about that from the stage, they probably have this thought of, well, you probably wake up perfect. Mm. Like you're a pastor. You probably don't struggle with these things that I do. But to say, no, that even for us, that waking up is messy in our own spiritual Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Um, it's not so perfect and put together. I think it's important for us mm-hmm. to, to share that and tell people that we're in that same boat. Yeah. 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 I think that's critical. There was a little cartoon I saw a number of years ago and it had a pastor up preaching and the pastor's wife. So I would envision Carrie, my wife behind me. And there was two posters and uh, the wife, the spouse has this pointer. And as the pastor's preaching, the spouse points to points he practices and points he doesn't practice. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, um, I do think we're all on a journey. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, there there are two incredible dangers to me. One is just saying that holiness or awakening is not possible. Mm. The other is some kind of pseudo false hypocritical Mm. holiness or awakening where people go, I can't even think about arriving there. Yeah. And I think that's why the transparency and authenticity of all of us who call ourselves Christians, especially those of us who have whatever type of platform to speak from, there needs to be an honesty about all of that. It's one of the things I love. Early on, I have to confess, I had a hard time getting the series title down because I just wanted to say The Road to Awakening. (laughs) I had to be reminded a few times. But I finally got it. You know, this is the road of awakening. Yes, there's a journey. There's a destination we're going toward, mm-hmm. but it is it is a journey that yeah. we're on. And uh, we're inviting others on that journey, not that we've perfected it or arrived at it, but it's worth the effort. Yeah, so join is. us in the journey together. Yeah, that's right. And we'll go there together, I think. When I first started sleepwalking as a child, uh, my parents got to a point where, you know, I they would wake up and I would be right beside their bed and they were startled. And I got out of the house and it turned into putting wow. a chair under the door handle and putting new locks up really high. Everything to try to keep me in the house. It was terrifying for my parents because they knew I could actually hurt myself out there and not even have a clue what I was doing. Yeah. That'll preach up one side and down the other. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> let me, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about that because there's a place that leaders go when they experience a move of the Holy Spirit, but they don't know what to do mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, they don't know what to do with it, and they're 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 seeing things happen, but in, inside they're terrified. Yeah, and they're putting they're starting to put up locks. Yeah. on the door mm-hmm. and they're starting to control things, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Well, first of all, I have no control issues. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. <laughs> you can cut that part out. Just... <laughs> yeah. Let me, Gary says, Amen. <laughs> let me, uh, let me just start a little bit with my journey. Um, when I was called to ministry at the age of 17, some of you heard this, but I, I read through the New Testament in a week. I read through the Bible in a month. And in the New Testament, I heard and witnessed things specifically around the work of the Holy Spirit that I had not heard before. And I want to be careful here. I'm not saying nobody ever 
preached it, but I never heard it. Mm-hmm. So maybe they yeah, did, okay. maybe yeah. they didn't. Yeah, sure. Whatever happened, it didn't register in my heart. And suddenly I'm reading God's word for the first time, as they say, from cover to cover. And I called up a pastor that I was listening to on the radio. So there's a 17-year-old kid calling this pastor at a radio program and saying, you're going to meet with me this week. <laughs> That's literally what I said. Pretty arrogant 17-year-old. <laughs> Very humble pastor turned out. And he did meet with me. And he could have, I, I believe he could have said, go jump off the bridge at that point. I was so hungry to understand this that I might have actually done that. Wow. And just in gentleness and sensitivity, he... He walked me through this, what it looks like to be genuinely filled with the Spirit of God and Mm -hmm. operate out of a place of genuine love. Now, I've not done that perfectly through my life, but I encountered Mm -hmm. that in his office. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joel McGraw was his name, pastor here in Huntsville. Uh, And um, and so I went on this journey of, uh, of that, and yet I am. Uh, I said jokingly, but I am, like a lot of people, I want control. Mm-hmm. And then a secondary thing is the move and work of the Holy Spirit has been hijacked at time. It has been falsified at time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got this whole reality out there that, that I think makes many of us a touch fearful of mm-hmm. fanaticism or, or phoniness. But the flip side of that is we have, as you said, we've put locks on the door and we've yeah. said, okay, I'm so afraid of that, Lord. I'm not even willing to go where you want me to go. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, wow. yeah, I acknowledge there, there's been hypocrisy. There's been falsification. Every gift of God can be falsified. Well, so it's, it's rooted in pride. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. As the As the... Early church father said, that's the root sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if pride's the root sin, then the only way out of that, the root virtue, is humility. That's right. And humility makes ourselves available um, for humbling, for missing it at times, but being yeah. able to acknowledge, yeah, that, I, I missed that. Mm-hmm. And so I think the natural tendency, the human tendency, is to put the locks, put the prayer. I can... I can understand this this far, or I can conceive of the work of God this far. And so, in a sense, we end up limiting God out of our own fear or pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're able to say, well, we didn't have any fanaticism. <laughs> we didn't have any, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but the Wesleyan movement, there was, there was plenty of that yeah. uh, in the early... We, we, we weren't called shouting Methodists for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So it was part of our Wesleyan DNA. Yeah. 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 I think it's cool just from working with our college students. I feel like, Tommy, you, in your leadership, you, you do a really good job of imbalancing like, the, the balance between like, not walking in fanaticism, but like, at the same time being open to work to the spirit. Like, I feel like that young people are attracted to that. They want yeah. that, that balance. Um, it's interesting, Nathan, to your thought of what we do as leaders when the spirit starts moving, start putting locks on the door. Um, last Sometimes. Year, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. 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 
last year we had a, um, a college study through the book of Acts. And so um, one of the passages we studied was Acts 8, where um, Philip is experiencing a revival in Samaria. And the spirit says, hey, go to a different place. He doesn't tell him where, just says start out on the road. <laughs> um, and then another spot in Acts 13, where the church in Antioch is just exploding and it's like becoming a thing. And the Holy Spirit sends two of their five teachers out. He says, hey, send out Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to. And in both those instances, Acts 8 and Acts 11, they were kind of doing something that didn't make sense. Humanly, it was like, okay, we got a good thing going. Samaria's blowing up spiritually. It's going well. You know, Antioch's going well. And in the college study, we talked about how ultimately, though, our job as leaders, you know, Philip's job, Paul's job, Barnabas's job, isn't to build the church. Uh, it's to be obedient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, it's Jesus's job to build the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at what happened when those people left and did something that didn't make sense, uh, the gospel went to Ethiopia Yeah, because <laughs> Philip did that. Uh, Paul and Barnabas planted the churches in Europe <laughs> because they did that. And so I think the enemy often wants us leaders to think your job is to build a church. So your job is to, you know, control this, keep things safe. Mm-hmm. Where's the strategy? And it's like, yes, there's an element of wisdom to all of it that we must have wisdom and discernment, but our job is not to build a church. Mm. Our job is to lift up the son of man and he will yeah. draw all men to himself. Yeah. That's right. um, we often say the early church didn't have marketing. Uh, they had miracles. Yeah. Yeah. God was moving. <laughs> and the reason is because they were doing a good job of putting the son of man at the center. Yeah. Um, so I just, I totally agree with that. I think there is a danger for all of us in ministry of hearing the lie. Your job is to build the church. And yeah. when we do that, we start protecting things yep. and AKA controlling things mm-hmm. that are not Garrett's business to control. Yeah. As uh, if, that's as not if, my job. As if they're ours to you know, exactly lose right. or something. That's exactly you know? right. No. Um, our jobs are to be obedient. Mm. And cool stuff starts happening when we are obedient. That's right. And when yeah. everybody lives that way, we start playing good ball. We start playing good team chemistry. The spirit is called church. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but you do. Mm-hmm. I don't know where we're going right now, but you do. I don't know what to say right now, but you do. And to just be completely open-handed and, and trust him mm-hmm. to, to, to give us that. One, it's freeing. And it is, it's scary. It's a scary place. I, I mm-hmm. mean, we're humans. Look, it's, it's when, when I think about when Gabriel, you know, Gabriel appearing to Joseph and Mary, what would I have done? <laughs> oh my, you know, and how scary that would have been. So, I mean, there, there is this human element, obviously, you know, it's okay to be scared, but to, 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 to lock up, to, to start controlling things. That's when we get in the way. That's when we start. Yeah. That's when, that's where yeah. sin comes in. Yep. And you're right about the enemy is he's the one who, want, who, who, who wants to make us think we're in charge of this. Mm-hmm. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy, for, I I really, I I, want to thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. In this, um, just really appreciate your heart and, and I'm, I'm thankful to call you my pastor. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, the Lord has had me on a significant journey, I believe. And, and the beauty is the Lord has blessed my life in ministry. I've, I've been able to see fruit along the way, but in the midst of that, I've noticed my own need to return to the core. So whether we see it as a road of awakening mm-hmm. or return to the basics, it, it really is, that's the, that's the crying need for the church today, Absolutely. for the sake of the world. Yep, for the sake of the world. Mm.
So good. Tommy, thank you for, um, again, just for, for being vulnerable with us and for joining us in this conversation. Yeah, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Well, and I, I do love, I love the opportunity to have conversation and dialogue. Yeah. And then, so that's, that's, yeah. and I, I am deeply passionate about what we're talking about. Yeah. I really am. I you can tell. I have a, I have a personal need for it and I believe yeah. the church has a need for it. Absolutely. So. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.